everybody, and welcome back to the Cascadia Corner Podcast. Uh, yeah, this episode's happening. <laughs> we get to talk about Uta Morgan today. We're also going to touch on some Beeblet Ball, some Kuglet Ball, and some other interesting things uh, to look into the near future. But I'm joined with James. It's truly a cruel world we live in. Zach. Go Grizz. And for better or for worse, not dewey today uh i think james i see this as an absolute big his lucky stars that dewey is not here to absolutely rip him a new one <laughs> uh but before we get into um the roast of james make sure to follow us on twitter at cascadia underscore corner and also leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening to us on because we would appreciate it uh, so yeah, guys, Uta Morgan happened. I'm not gonna really sugarcoat it. Like, easily one of the best football games ever played. I think the best football game I have ever seen. I was there in person. Dewey was there in person. Um, absolutely insane football game. Obviously, Dub bested Oregon 36 to 33 on a missed field goal from Oregon that would have sent it into overtime. Very back and forth game. A lot of interesting things happen. Obviously, the Pac-12 title race is now shaping up to have UW penciled in after this game. But also, Oregon's path is still there. Uh, they are certainly not out of it. There's a very likely chance that these two teams rematch. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, we need to talk about this game, guys. Because this game, uh, all biases aside, was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, truly an insane uh, game. I wish I could have watched it as a neutral spectator. I feel like I would have enjoyed it much more. Uh, even throughout the game, like, I was just so anxious and not okay. Like, I <laughs> I am jealous of people who had no rooting interest in this game and they could just watch it for what it was. Um, Matt spoke on being there in person, but even through the TV, I could tell the atmosphere was insane. Um, I would have to imagine the biggest... UW win in, you know, probably in a very six, long time. Yeah. Um, this millennia. Honestly, yeah, it might be. Um, this was a huge win for UW. Obviously, this was they they got it done on the biggest stage that they've played on in a long time at Husky Stadium. I think too. You speak to the atmosphere. Husky Stadium was rocking. I think the highest they had a decibel counter. The highest they got to was one thirty one, one thirty two, which is damn near close to the like all-time record which is like 134 i believe um it was loud it was extremely loud and game day was there me and dewey went to game day got to campus at like 4 30 in the morning which honestly you know say what you want about pat mcfee say what you want about espn that experience with other fans and like the other people there was phenomenal it was a lot of fun um the fans made it a great time um, even though, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Cougs and the Beavs are going to be there. They honestly made it better. Uh, they were good sports, which I was very happy with. I'm sure they didn't want to be. Um, but they they made it really fun. There was a lot of cool people there. Got to meet a lot of people. Uh, had a really good time. Um, very long day. But the atmosphere at Husky Stadium was unfathomably awesome. Um, so... I will push it over to Zach to kind of kick us off with what he thought about the game. Um, as a more neutral spectator in this one, what did you think about what you saw on the field? So to be clear, I'm not really a neutral bystander. I hate both teams. Um, I hate both fan bases. They're pretty damn annoying. 
So you're Team Meteor. I, I was, yeah, I was Team Meteor. Uh, I was definitely <laughs> a hater the whole time. I wanted both teams to lose. Um, but uh, I just want to preface this. I watched most of the second half at an Oregon State tailgate, and we were all rooting against the Ducks because, you know, little brother. But uh, it was an incredible game from start to finish. Uh, it was kind of surprising to me because the defense is played pretty well uh and then also surprised me because like in the second half oregon kind of dominated the whole game in the second half outside of the opening like five minutes and the final two minutes oregon just dominated that second half yeah it was it was as a u-dub fan um even getting to halftime with the four-point lead that u-dub had um with the way like the last three minutes of the first half played out, I think was enough to take 10 years off of my life. Um, you go from, you know, UW doing whatever, Michael Penix having probably like the worst three plays I've ever seen him have going from, you know, some bad audibling, some bad snap and play calling stuff, and then throws a pick because Odunze or whoever the left receiver was on that play slips. Um Oregon looks like they're in a prime position to score before half, and they run a sprint out concept on fourth and goal, which uh, UW's defense stops. It was just a little too much for me to handle, but um, I do think it is interesting. I feel like that sprint out concept that we saw from Oregon at the end of the first half and also at the end of the game, I do kind of want to bring that up. A lot of people weren't happy with Will Stein's play calling in that situation. I feel like sprint out is a very good pass concept. Uh, for those that don't know, basically you flood one side of the field, you send your quarterback, basically he takes a snap and takes off uh, one direction um, with like three or four options in one similar area of the field, basically floods one area so that you your progression's a lot easier, but also by doing so you cut the field in half and you limit your options um, if nobody's there. James, I really want to know your thoughts um, on some of the late game play calling on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, uh, I will just say a shameless plug. I have a podcast with uh, Reed on Twitter uh, called Quacked Out where we, you know, really break this game down. If you're an Oregon fan or if you're a UW fan that wants to listen to us cope for an hour, but Reed brought up a really interesting point about how it kind of showed a lack of trust in your senior quarterback to, you know, be able to sit in the pocket and make those reads left to right. Like you would kind of hope from a guy who has started 50 plus games in college football. Um, I, I am not an offensive coordinator. I don't, you know, I'm not in those meetings. I don't know exactly what the decision process was and, you know, the advantages clearly, uh, Dan Lanning in his presser said they were going to call a timeout if they didn't get the look they wanted. So clearly they got a look that they wanted. Um, when you have Bucky and Jordan having the games that they had today, or not today, on Saturday, I, you know, you'd like to see them run it once from within three yards. It's tough. I, I will stick by the uh, decision calling in the game as much as it hurts. I would rather watch that than watch what <clears throat> Jed Fish did versus USC 10 out of 10 times. I, that's completely fair. Um, I think, too, though, you mentioned a lack of trust in Bo Nix. 
I kind of honestly understand the play call because by limiting the progression, by limiting what's going on in front of you, you can kind of just ball out a little bit more. And I can understand that thought process of like, you make Bo Nix's reads a lot easier on those plays. You put everything in front of him and you let your guys just play ball. I will say I don't think Bucky Irving on like the late check down at the end of the first half was the best decision. He was having a great game, and even if you're not going to hand him the ball, he still needs to be in the concept like immediately. That's a guy Mm -hmm. you need to have out there being able to make a play. Obviously, I think he was still throwing near him after he went out on his check down, but it was a little too late. The play had already just kind of blown up at that point. Are you talking about the one where he throws it at his feet and he just can't catch it? Uh, was third that... down? I'm talking about the last play of the first half. Um, where they roll out on fourth and yeah, goal. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I think it was third yeah, and goal. Yeah, they... uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because basically what it was is they floated the right side of the field, Bonix rolls out mm-hmm. to the right, and then Bucky like is in pass pro, sees that nobody's coming, at least in his area, and then he dips on his check down, which was like, not like a backside route, but he basically runs like a curl in the end zone. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can understand why they did it. I do think it is not the best idea to flood one side of the field in that situation. You need to spread your guys out, and especially with the way that the offense for Oregon had been playing. And also Bo Nix. I think we need to mention that Bo Nix looked surgical uh, multiple times in this game. Had a fantastic showing. Um, obviously, he didn't just didn't come up in the clutch moments for Oregon, but Throughout the entire game, like, Bo Nix looked really good. That offense was firing on all cylinders. I think UW just in the red zone had him a couple times, and when it came down to it, like, the UW defense, like, was bend, don't break a few times, and I think that was just enough for them to get it done. I was impressed with UW's defense because there were multiple times that the offensive play calling for UW just kind of strung the defense out to dry, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the second half. uh, Going three and out twice... Uh, in a row is uncharacteristic for UW, and it also puts that defense that was struggling at times in a very bad situation to where they have to go back out on the field. Um, and they got it done. I was, I was very impressed with them. So, but yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts like yeah. on that. And I guess for anything else you want to touch on for Oregon, I, uh, uh, I just want to say I kind of uh, disagree with you guys on the play call there. I thought it was a good call. Um, Oregon last year ran that play a lot really effectively in big fourth downs and it was kind of like the same call it was exact same call as last year um i know that they ran that play call against oregon state and lost because of it but it was just because of like a missed assignment and it would have been wide open um i thought it was a good play call because i think that bo nix is really good when you manipulate the pocket and get him out with uh, using his feet and he just becomes really effective as a dual threat and you have to consider that and it just kind of didn't work out um but also I, I really like the aggressiveness on that call i hate boring coaches who don't go for it maybe that one you want to kick the field goal because you get the ball before half but like at the end of the day i'm never going to criticize a coach for going for it because i hate coaches that are cowards yeah i think you bring up a great point and one of the the conversations about that that halftime the play before the halftime was like this game changed before and after the half especially going into the third quarter like it was a shootout like neither one of these defenses were really getting stops and you know Dan Lanning has come back and said you know there we probably should have kicked the field goal but like 
it hindsight's always going to be 2020 though yeah. you know no i agree and it like in that moment right before the half it felt like you know if oregon doesn't score there <clears throat> or if they you know like there wasn't that big of a difference going down because you you know you kick the field goal there and even if you get a touchdown uh coming out of the second half you're only up eight like that it doesn't really change anything within the game now obviously you know if Oregon's defense found out some of the stuff or figured out some of the stuff they did in the second half, you know, and that turns into a little bit more of a defensive game like it did, you probably reconsider that decision, but you didn't know that. So. Yeah. I I also do want to agree with you guys on Dan Lanning Um, as much crap as I give Oregon. And as much as I dislike Oregon, I very much respect a coach that lives and dies by the same philosophy of being Mm -hmm. super aggressive. Like Dan Lanning does. Um, very much was in your face from the get-go, going for a two-point conversion off the bat. Very aggressive in fourth-down situations on the goal line. It's just the way that football works. It's not always going to go your way, and it's unfortunate that those situations come up in the most pivotal moments of the game. Yeah. Um, but you can't always control that, and I think it's it's a testament to how uh, Dan Lanning like trusts his guys. He trusts his coaches. He trusts those decisions, and obviously you're not going to convert on all of them, but I can at least respect that he is not backing down in that situation. Um, It's just like the coin has not fallen where he's wanted it to um, in this game for two years in a row now, which is sucks for them because Oregon's a very talented team. Um, But I guess anything else from Oregon that we want to touch on before we talk about the Dukes? I really liked Oregon's defense, especially in the second half. Uh, I think a lot of people expected them to kind of just do what Arizona did and drop eight. They didn't end up doing that, but that also, you know, allowed Oregon to get some three and outs in this game and, you know, made it competitive even when they were down 11 because it it forced UW to throw the ball uh, to their receivers and it, you know, it worked out. Like, Oregon had a chance to tie this game at the end and send it into overtime and you never know what's going to happen to overtime. So, like... I think they're. This is a very emotional game, and people are being. I think people are being a little overreactionary. Uh, but yeah, I like. Who, in the country, wins that game in that environment? Kooks. Yeah. Michigan. The, maybe. The Kooks. Georgia. Kooks. Kooks. Maybe. We'll get to the Kooks. I don't know if the Kooks. <laughs> no, the Kooks. Game, after <laughs> what I saw this weekend from them. Uh, we'll touch on them in a bit, though. Um, what I do also want to touch on, Zach, did you have something? Yeah, I want to say that the, for, the the decision to go up for it uh, in the fourth quarter, Oregon's like second to last drive uh, on fourth, I thought that was a fantastic decision to go yeah. for it because, like, if you get that, you probably win. And if yep. you don't get it, I mean, UW scored so quick. And yep. so yeah. you just shorten the field for them. I and, mean, like, they're probably going to score just because of that no. explosive offense. Um, and if it was the difference between watching that and punting the ball and watching Rome catch that touchdown with, with fucking three seconds yeah. left, I may have found yeah. the tallest building yeah. in my local area. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. a great call because it gave the offense more time if the defense couldn't hold them. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, with the way that Oregon's offense had looked the second half, like, yeah, like they were feeling okay on the last drive of the game because UW scored so quickly and they felt like they could get it done, which they literally almost did. Yeah. Um, And obviously, like we can say in this game, like obviously after the fact, you're going to be able to say, well, you could have done this. Well, you could have done that. In the moment, like it makes sense. It's aggressive. 
Um, I wouldn't call it stupid, though. You know, like that's a pretty good football decision. But ultimately, you just don't get it done. And that is because the Huskies scored more points than Oregon. And that's how you win a football game off the back of what I would call an insanely gutsy performance from Michael Penix, who in the second half got lit up a couple times and was clearly hurt and I'm sure was on adrenaline and IVs and whatever else they could inject into him to finish the game. Uh, And was still operating at the end of the game at an insane level. That last start of Rome in the end zone was immaculate. It was almost off his back foot from what it looked like. He was like limping around. He was stretching his back out before the play. Like that is, you want to talk about stuff that like legends are made of, you know, you take a guy who is beat to absolute shit and you put him in that situation. Most people are going to fold. I just have to sing Penix's praises because even though the stat sheet like certainly wasn't his best game ever, the way that he was able to battle and fight back and ultimately win the game for them, like that's just insane. That's the that's what you want out of a fifth year guy. That's what you want out of a leader. That's what you want out of a Heisman contender. Like exactly what he did. Um and I was just extremely impressed with that because I think in years past, UW like ten times out of ten loses this game. Like, wholeheartedly, I think this UW team is... I'm not going to do the LSU comparison, because a lot of people said that, and I think we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit here. Um, But it was... Like, this team is extremely impressive, I will say. So, I don't know what you guys thought about UW uh, today. Or, jeez, not today. I pulled the James. um, But from this weekend. So... Uh, uh, So, the... The Huskies scored with about nine minutes to go in the third quarter. They scored a touchdown. They didn't score again until like one thirty-eight left in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oregon just kind of bossed them around. And I thought that it was really impressive. Lesser quarterbacks, lesser men, would, would not be able to pull off a drive that Penix did at the very end of the game after being shut mm-hmm. down for, how many, like, is that 20 minutes or something, uh, something like that? Or more yeah. minutes? Just completely shut down. Uh, to come in, and he got beat up. He got beat up to make that drive. It was just incredible. Also, uh, Washington's ability to run the ball was pretty impressive. Um, what's their running back's name? Johnson. Dylan. I was very impressed with Dylan Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He had a he looks very good. Hundred yards on on twenty carries. Uh, he he ran the ball hard, um, mm. and that just kind of like allowed the pressure to get off of Penix and the receivers a little bit. Just it gave them a little bit more breathing room. And, well, it's uh, it's so funny that you bring that up, because when that offense slowed down, it's because they went away from the run. Mm-hmm. Like on all three downs, you know, when they went to and out, when they were in their offensive lull, I think Ryan Grubb absolutely botched the play calling for the second half. I think he yeah did not think, do a good yeah. job. They got away from what was working for the entire game. Dylan Johnson was running like a madman, and he was averaging five yards a carry, six yards a carry, like he was. He was getting chunk yardage, um, and they went away from that on first and second down. They tried to get cute, especially when they were deep in their own territory. They wanted to get big chunk yardage, which I understand, and like you have the offense and the pieces to do it, but why get away from what's working for you? You know that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, you know I'm not gonna fan brain, but like that is something UW is 100 percent susceptible to. Is like 
because they're so pass heavy like and like how we saw if or if if they play anybody who have the guys to you know line up on in man and play wide receiver play on their wide receivers outside like this this team is susceptible to you know going three and out pretty quick and getting the ball back to the other team's offense now luckily i don't think they'll face another secondary like this maybe utah but that game's at home and utah utah can't score points um but yeah, just to get the conversation back, Michael Penix was fucking out of body in this game. Like, truly insane. Um, if UW is going to do what, you know, all of a sudden they have a chance to do this season, they're going to need probably two or three more performances like that out of him. Uh, but he has clearly shown that he has the ability to do it. We would be remiss yeah. if we didn't mention UW's defense holding Oregon to 29. I don't know how many teams in the country can do that. Oregon's offense is elite, and they held their own. I mean, they made plays when they had to. They had multiple goal line stops, um, big fourth downs that they made, and they kind of got pushed around. I mean, the Ducks had way, like, was it 400 and something yard total yards, no turnovers, but they made the plays when they had to, and that is what they've needed. What I think has been so impressive about this defensive unit in the past, honestly, two seasons is that in their biggest moments, they show up. Yeah. And obviously, like the bend don't break idea that I mentioned earlier, like beta rank and stats will show you that UW's defense is like, okay, at best, which like, yeah, for most of the game, that's true. Um, what a stat sheet won't show you, though, is that like in big four downs and on the goal line, like this defense came up absolutely huge and especially the front seven was extremely impressive to me obviously like jabbar muhammad had a great game but those dbs you know they're playing against troy franklin they're playing against these insane athletes that are gonna make plays that's bound to happen i was impressed with how uh uw's front four and honestly their linebacker core was flying around how they were able obviously bucky irving still had a very good game and was able to get chunk yardage but when they needed a stop they got it done uh the front for I also have to mention my guys that I went to high school with, MJ Ale and uh, Sakai, had absolutely great games in the middle when they bumped Sakai in at three tech. Uh, he did an absolute phenomenal job at uh, stopping the run, and so did MJ. Honestly, on that like third down, on the second to last drive, he got in the backfield and got it done. There was just so many. I feel like in this game overall, there were so many stars on both sides of the ball and both sides of this game that absolutely balled out and showed out. Um, and there were 30, what, 32, 34 scouts there for a reason. <laughs> like, Yeah, there were some stars, dudes on this field. The dudes came to play. Like, the stars absolutely were shining at this game. Um, I cannot stop gushing over this football game. Like, wholeheartedly, I think yeah. this is the best football game I have ever watched and will ever watch. Um, it's just, you know, so many narratives that play into it. The rivalry... Um, you talk about all the other things. I, I, I don't know. Like, I can't find the words to talk about this game. I could literally talk about this game forever. Um, especially being there in person and watching that last field goal scrape just right. Like, it's, it, it's crazy when you get to witness something like that in person. It's absolutely unfathomable. Um, and we might get something similar down the road. I truthfully think Oregon's path to Vegas is uh, still pretty open. Um, they got to get through Dabbies. They got to get through Deck Hoogs. And I honestly think 
those are going to be their two hard escapes going forward. I don't think they'll struggle with USC at all, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. I don't really think, think you'd have... they got to go to Rice Eccles, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Utah yeah, on the that's... road is, will be, you know, if they come out and they, I don't know, right? Utah can't score 20 points right now. So, like, <laughs> Pig if Oregon can back. put up 20, 20 points on the road, like, that's a very winnable Pig game. Farmer is but, back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but also, also remember, home Utah is also like somehow 2019 <laughs> LSU. That's the real 2019 yeah. LSU comparison we should be making. Home, it's How, a day game, though. Day game. Though. Yeah, we're okay. Good. We're good. We're That's good. Fair. We're good. Yeah, they don't play that game at night. I think if it was, it would be Jover for Oregon, but it is at like, <laughs> what, 12, 130, something stupid. The Pac-12 uh, is protecting its biggest brands. <laughs> I, think, I think Utah will get boat race quite frankly i would love to see some some utah magic at home happen i just don't think it's going to um and for you dub you obviously get utah at home your next two toughest challenges are going to be at usc and at oregon state um and obviously both those teams have weapons to hang with you um and it's current form though like those still feel like games you should be able to win but road u dub is weird sometimes yeah and i mean the the big thing for UW all of a sudden is they now have a two-game lead over Oregon. So you mm-hmm. really, you know, you beat USC, it's probably locked up. Probably. Yeah. The Cougs. Barring some crazy stuff. The Cougs. Yeah. The Cougs, yeah. <laughs> Apple um, Cup magic. So yeah, I think we could gush about this game forever, but we got some other games to talk about. And speaking of the Cougs, uh, <laughs> guys <laughs> what uh what even happened here uh i i'll be honest i don't know <laughs> and we knew we knew arizona arizona has proven over the last few weeks that they are a sneaky good team like they are solid they can hang with some of the top dogs they can hang with these high-powered offenses they could slow teams down they you know could do all these great things they didn't just win in pullman in pullman by the way they uh this was like murder, like televised murder. Yeah, I think I should uh, get a shove on my pick because I thought JDL was starting this game. We all did, I yeah. Would, I would have picked differently <laughs> if I knew it was the fucking king that was promised and Noah Fafita. <laughs> Noah Fafita. Uh, <laughs> that guy can ball. Holy cow, I've been very impressed with him. But the kooks just, uh, I don't know what was in their breakfast, if they didn't sleep. If, like, a fire alarm went off in the dorms, bro. Like, this is a game you just absolutely cannot explain besides, like, they got their asses kicked, <laughs> like, yeah. on every facet of the game. And uh, I am no longer feeling as strongly about our Coog as we were feeling for most of the season. But I yeah. think we got to start the narrative, guys. I think Ben Arbuckle just needs to get his guys in. Yeah, Ben Arbuckle just needs his guys. He just needs his guys. We're fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, the big thing is you look over these past two games, 2022 Cam Ward is back. Like, that's <laughs> honestly been a, a massive part of it. I know they don't have the receiving talent out wide that you would quite like. And also, I mean, these past two games, Arizona and UCLA have been able to dominate them on the lines. Like, a mix of bad Cam Ward and getting outplayed along the lines is what leads to a result like this. It was coughing baby versus hydrogen bomb. A hundred percent. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that Wazoo doesn't have the guys. Lincoln Victor was back for this game. They had Lincoln Victor back, who was probably arguably their best receiver. Josh Kelly, who had been balling out. 
and you still have, you know, Kyler Williams, but you have Nakia Watson as your leading receiver. That's not a good sign. Yeah. And what Arizona did was, uh, yeah, it was uh, very impressive. I also think we need to worry about a bit of a skid here from Coop, because obviously you lose at UCLA last week. Um, and you're not feeling good about that one. This is really, this should have, this is what should have been a get right game for yeah. Wazoo. A way to rebound. But now you're four and two. You get bumped out of the top 25. Your momentum from the beginning of the year is absolutely gone. And like, where do you go from here? Like, what do you do? And you got to go to Eugene next yeah, week. You go to Watson on homecoming. You after go to Oregon, just lost a nail bit biter. <laughs> like, you get pissed <laughs> off Oregon. <laughs> like what the like what do you even do you know yeah it, i think not to spoil my pick next week i think it may get ugly next week like <laughs> yeah um, zach i don't how are you feeling about coog man i think uh we're finally seeing the coog's one-dimensional offense get a bit exposed um, a little bit you're seeing yeah. the top teams in the pac 12 um like Oregon, Washington, I guess Oregon State, are all, uh, they have multiple facets they can, they can win with. And the Kooks, they can only throw the ball relatively quickly because their O-line is so bad. So you take that away and their offense can't do anything. With, you know, even yeah. UW figured out how to run the ball a little bit effectively. Um, yeah. So I think just being just that one-dimensional has really put them into a corner. Uh, we need Ben Arbuckle to just open up the offense a bit more and kind of figure it out, because <laughs> if, if not, it's going to be a long rest of the year. Um, yeah. I will say, this not is to... like... This game in Eugene is kind of make or break for the season for me. I don't think they have to win necessarily, but they have to play good. Yeah. They have to... If they want to keep like momentum up... They need to play good. They can't just get pushed around by the Ducks. They need to show up and give the Ducks a battle. Because, like, they can't just... Last year, at the end of the year, UW just kind of quit. Um, and they can't afford to do that. They they still have a lot to play for this year. Yeah. Um, I was just going to add that, like, there is a possibility... Not to, like, fire the alarm too much there is a possibility that like this washington state program kind of needs an identity change i understand jake dicker kind of tried to do the mike leach thing i i don't know if it's gonna work like <laughs> this is this is ugly um and if it's gonna continue like this you know like cam ward is a legit quarterback um you probably don't have cam ward walking through that door again next year like i don't i don't I don't see how you you fix this. Dave with... John Mateer, hello. Exactly. <laughs> One for three with a pick, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be nice. Be nice. Um, he, it was this was bad. <laughs> this was a bad. You know, game. with with what is coming down the chute for Washington State over the next year. Yeah. Um. I just feel. I feel bad for this Wazoo team. I feel yeah. like they had the whole world in front of them, and not obviously. You're still four and two. Like, yeah. no, hundred percent. We're say we're talking a bit like it's the end of the world, and given the circumstances, yeah, it feels like it. You still got half your season left. You are still two games above five hundred. You are still very much in it to 
obviously like make a bowl, duh, but you know, make some noise in the Pac-12. Like you could still get back on track. Um, I also really want to point out, we said that this uh, team was one-dimensional. Craziest stat line I think I've ever seen from a rusher in a football game. Nikia Watson, our beloved. Five carries, zero yards, one touchdown on the ground. <laughs> I could, <laughs> that is just crazy to me. But also, you know, Nikia Watson's supposed to be your guy, but you instead have Dylan Payne being your leading rusher for with three carries for 23 yards. Yeah. He's your best rusher all day. You absolutely cannot have that. Nikia Watson is supposed to be your dynamic guy. Like, yeah, he was your leading receiver and he's great in the past game, but this is a guy you're also supposed to be able to give the rock to. And that offensive line is just not doing them any favors. I hope they get back on track. I really do. When this Wazoo team is good, they are so much fun to watch. Um, and they can really make some noise and cause some problems for some teams like we've seen this year. Um, I think Jake Dickert is still a good coach. Uh, we still love Ben Arbuckle, obviously. But obviously. Uh, there's got to be some changes. And I don't know exactly where you start after two losses, like in the way that they've lost. But you got to start somewhere. So. Uh yeah, I mean, so you go to Oregon, then you go to Arizona State, you get Stanford at home, you go to Cal versus Washington, and then at, or versus Colorado, sorry, and then at Washington. So, like, it's still a very doable schedule. Eight wins, probably? Yeah. yeah nine, you... maybe, probably not nine. You probably don't win nine. But still, this is, Unless this could still be Cup, which would a be very... the funniest possible outcome. Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you, James? Uh, that would be very funny. I would love it. It would... Yeah, it'd be really funny, especially because James couldn't do it to UW <laughs> with his own team. Anyways. Um, Not yet. <laughs> I'm so see, sure. See you in Vegas, Bubba. See you in Vegas. All right, man. Um, we're going to watch Stanford and Cal in Vegas. <laughs> like it. Um, but I think with Wazoo, like, that's just it. There's not much we can touch on besides they just got their teeth kicked in. Um, they got to find a way to respond because there's still a lot of season left. Very doable to have a good season for them. Gotta get back on track. But, you know who did get back on track? Dobby Eves got back on track. They looked great against UCLA. Zach, how are you feeling? Um, I don't know. I, they look pretty good. Um, there's a lot of things that they need to clean up. Uh, I thought that they looked okay and still won by two scores, which feels really good considering UCLA has one of the best defenses in the country. Um, yeah. I think Reeser brought its magic. Reeser was mm -hmm. insane. And uh, it was probably one of the more rowdiest crowds that has been in Reeser in a while. Just due to mainly the refs. Uh, did you see one of the refs tore his Achilles <laughs> I did in mid-game? <laughs> and they had to get carted off? That was yeah. uh, a bit wild. Um... It appears we may have lost Matt. It's okay. Um, I'll keep on going. Okay. <laughs> um, DJU was phenomenal in this game. I know he was like 14 for 24, but he made the passes when they needed to. Um, yeah. DJ was, was great. The receivers were getting open. I thought the game plan was phenomenal from the offense. Uh, they, UCLA kind of shut down the run and forced Oregon State to pass, and Oregon State passed really well uh yeah. also UCLA has one of the best pass rushes in all college football 
I think they only had two sacks. I could be wrong. They might have had three. But that's still just phenomenal pass blocking from the O-line. I was really worried about the O-line like pass blocking going into this game just because of how good UCLA is. But uh, they were really, really good. Uh, they gave DJ all day to throw most of the time. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great offensive game for the most part. Yeah, you would have had to have been a real silly guy to pick against Oregon State um, in Corvallis. That would have been yeah something very silly to do. That would have been very silly to do, wouldn't it have been, James? Uh, the DJU redemption arc on this season has been very entertaining to watch. It felt like after the Washington State game, there were some massive questions uh, around him, but he appears to have figured it out. The fact that you can't throw within 10 yards is still very funny to me, but... I mean, you're going to run it for five, five yards per carry anyways, so, like, who cares? Um, and then his deep ball is probably second in the con- or in the conference behind Mike's, I would argue. His deep ball is super pretty. It's crazy, um, yeah. Something that, like, we didn't really see a lot of at Clemson, and I wasn't super familiar with his game like that, so <laughs> apologies. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. This defense at home, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like they, they figure something out. Like it's, it's truly magic of the graveyard. Um, Dante Moore hasn't looked great this year. Um, it's time for him to come home to Eugene. But anytime you can force a quarterback to throw in three interceptions, you're doing something right. Yeah, uh, I was extremely impressed how Oregon State's offense rose to the challenge against a. One of the yeah. best defenses in the country. Like, UCLA's defense is phenomenal. Um, and their front seven, especially, is just unreal. Um, and the way that DJU was able to sling the rock, you know, and open mm-hmm. up the game for them a little bit, especially against a defense that's very good against the run because that front seven's so solid. I mean, I was just so impressed. I was so impressed. And I think Beavlet is back on track to being yeah three giving the top two problems in this conference again. I know we were on the fence a bit after the Wazoo game, but they have turned it back up in my no, opinion. I agree. This is yeah. the, I mean, uh, this is the kind of game that Oregon State doesn't win a couple years ago. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like, especially last year, if you take away the run like UCLA did, Oregon State just couldn't pass out of it. And with DJ, like, the Bees were able to pass through it. And that was really, really, really impressive. And the O-line just gave them all day to throw. Yep. And uh, he was just able to make plays when they needed it. Um, the Bees had a lot, a lot of penalties, some of which I don't know if they were. The Beaver bias never rests. It's always lurking. <laughs> um, there was two horrendous calls back-to-back late in this game. Um, Oregon State's punter got blasted, and there was no flag. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, it was one of the more horrific calls, I've missed calls I've seen. And then the very next play, the Beavers sack Dante Moore, and they called roughing the passer on a sack. <laughs> uh, it was like a Tom Brady type play where they said that he got hit in the head. Uh, he, in fact, did not get hit in the head. Um, and the whole stadium was booing for the next probably seven minutes of game time, booing through timeouts, and it really got the stadium going. <laughs> it was it was impressive. They're so real for yeah, that. Yeah. Oh my god. Like they're so they're real trying real. to do you know, like the on field promotions and like during the uh T V timeouts and the whole stadium was just booing and you can't hear anything. 
It was pretty funny. It was, it was cool. I remember to see. doing the Dr. Pepper <laughs> challenge. Just had the worst time of their lives. Just getting booed <laughs> the whole time. Um, one thing of concern uh, for the Beavs is run defense, which has been the case the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, UCLA, it gave me trauma of watching Chip Kelly's Oregon teams run all over <laughs> Oregon State 10 years ago. Um, and, like, the only play that UCLA was running pretty much was outside zone. And they got, like, 20 yards per carry on outside zone. Any other run play, they were getting, like, three or four yards. Like, the Beavs just could not stop it. It was insane. I was losing my mind watching it. Colin mm-hmm. Schley came in and just carried the ball for, I don't know, 80 yards and just did whatever he wanted on the ground. But uh, other than that, yeah, I thought it was a great game for the Beavs. Yeah, and then, I mean, you finally get a bye this week, and then you're staring down the barrel. Probably the hardest game of the year uh, until you get Washington at home. you got to go face Noah Fafita on the road. Hopefully Noah Fafita. If it's not Noah Fafita, then that's an easy win. Yeah. Um, at ASU is uh or not asu well at asu would be scary too uh speaking from experience but uh (laughs) at arizona this year is a terrifying place to play interestingly enough the beavs kind of play pretty good at arizona over the course of history they're like seven and two since 2000 must be nice i have no (laughs) idea what that's like i mean the only losses they had was during the gary anderson era so (laughs) They've won when they've had confident head coaches. Uh, but yeah, still pretty scared to get in there. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is I think Oregon State's figured out their corner position. Um, mm, they slid yeah. Ryan Cooper Jr. from nickel to just starting corner. And they had Noble Thomas move from corner to nickel. And that seemed to work out a lot better. Um, uh, Ryan Cooper Jr. had a pick six to end the half. And yeah, he did. Jaden Robinson was just phenomenal on the other side. Like, he's been all year. He's been a lockdown corner, kind of unsung amongst all the other Pac-12 corners, but he's been terrific. So, hopefully, they've kind of figured out their DB situation, or at least the corner situation. Um, Yeah. Now I'm just worried about stopping the run, which they should. They were really good at stopping the run last year, and they have everybody back on the D-line. So, I don't know what happened. Uh... Maybe they're just like not lining up right. Um, maybe they just they just need a week off to figure it out. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't get how they've given up 250 yards on the ground the last two games. I think they should figure it out, but I don't know. Well, and I mean, if you're getting gashed on outside zone, that either means that uh, your athletes suck or you're really tired. And I have a hard time believing that Oregon State's front seven are bad athletes. Um, so something leads me to believe that this bye week's going to be really good for them, you know? So I don't think it's end of the world, but yeah, you do need to figure out, uh, how to stop the run because obviously teams left on your schedule, there's a couple that can run the ball decently well. So certainly need to figure that out, but it, I, I feel good about Oregon state going forward after this game. I really do. Um, even with the issues that they need to fix, I think that they are, Certainly on the right path, and I think with Washington and Oregon at the end of the year, they have a chance to make some noise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like when I look at the schedule, there's no one else that Oregon State's going to play that's particularly good at stopping the run. So yeah. 
what they're going to have to do. I mean, what Arizona, we can talk more about Arizona in a while, I guess, but um, people are going to have to stack the box, kind of like what UCLA did. And they're just going to have to make DJU beat him. And he has been just good. He's been good at He's been... at beating, uh, you know, taking what the defense has given him. And I think the play calling has been so much better for DJU. I think that him and Lindgren are finally getting on the same page. I thought the play calling was absolutely horrendous when they played at Washington State. And I think the last two weeks, the play calling has been terrific. And I think they're finally yeah. like, getting their footing. And you can see it by the scores. I mean, putting up 29 on UCLA is just straight-up impressive. And then putting up 52 on Cal is also really impressive. So I'm just excited where this offense is going to go. And hopefully the defense yeah. can just keep up. Yeah, I think, too, with the offense and DJU finally clicking. Like, obviously, he's throwing the, lot more, the ball a lot more than I expected him to. Uh, but he looks really good doing it. Jonathan Smith is, like totally working to his strengths uh the offensive coordinator is working to his strengths like they know what he's good at and they're really highlighting that and like you said the past couple of weeks he's really been shining i'm very impressed um especially because at the beginning of the year there was times where he looked meh you know so i think that he is finally comfortable and a comfortable dju uh could spell some trouble because he's very talented so any other notes on our beeves before we move on, fellas? Shout out the O-line. They've had a couple injuries. They've been moving guys around, and there's been no notice difference. Shout out to the boys up front, man. Really getting it done. Love Always. our linemen. Um, yeah, man. It was, it was a good... Well, it was two good games, and... Well, it was the best game ever. A good game, and uh, whatever the hell happened in Pullman. Wait, I also want to shout out Tali um, Fuaga, because he shut down the probably the best edge rusher in the country. And Leatu Latu. I didn't even notice him on the field, which was, he was all over Wazoo a week ago. And yeah, uh, Making UCLA's pass rush obsolete is extremely hard to do, and they did it. Yeah. They got it done. The way they schemed it, the way that the O-lineman blocked. Uh, it's a sight to see, and it's good to see that UCLA's defense has a weakness, and like, well, not even a weakness, but like, you can beat them. <laughs> That's yeah. reassuring. But yeah, it was still extremely impressive. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for games from last week. I do want to transition by making a very sad announcement that the unbeaten streak is dead. And uh, Noah Fafita took it out back and uh, shot it with a double barrel. It was horrific. I am sad. But I still know ball because I am still in the lead for picks. So not all too, is lost. Right? Yeah, James, how'd you how'd you do last week in picks? We're, we're neck and neck. Um I think I think that's actually another good transition because I would <laughs> like to present uh our bozo of the week. That's gonna be our buddy James, not just for Oregon losing, but for managing to go 0 3 on the week. Very, very proud of you, James. You've come a very long way. You know, they say not getting any right is just as hard as getting them all right. So, yeah, sure, sure, Allegedly. we'll go with that. You can live with that, Bubba. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we needed to point that out because, hey, and I think all things considered, James might have straight up had one of the worst weekends of his life. 
Um, he's not only did Oregon lose on a missed field goal, his beloved San Francisco 49ers also lost on a missed field goal. In back-to-back days, I have never been more concerned for somebody's uh, mental well-being than I was for James uh, yesterday on Sunday. So... Poor guy. Um, you are Bozo of the Week. I want you to know that I love you. Drew not being here is probably like the best thing that could have happened to you today, all things considered. This this episode would have been unlistenable. Like, truly. <laughs> I truly, like, already only four people listen to this. Like, <laughs> Shout I out also Glock. think we, I, yeah, hi Glock, hi Connor. Um, I also think that uh, James would have probably left the podcast mid show and we would be <laughs> looking for a four host. So, I think all things considered, like, Glad you're here, buddy. But uh, holy shit, what a weekend! Yeah, that was a rough one. That one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now we get to now we get to move on a bit. We get to make some picks. We do have just two games to talk about this week. Oregon State's on a bye. We have another Cascadia corner matchup. Um, and I do want to start with probably the less interesting of the two, which is Washington ASU. This is not desert curse. This is being played in Montlake. Yeah. Uh, um, ASU's not good. We all know this. <laughs> no, the, what? the spread is 28. Washington 28, by 28. Which I haven't <laughs> seen a spread. Like, that's a lot. That's a hefty spread. Usually in blowouts, I feel like it's still like 21, 22. Yeah. 28's kind of insane. And I would still probably take the over in this one. <laughs> or, I would, or I would take uh, UW minus 28 is what I meant to say. I apologize. Um. But I, the only thing that kind of sort of worries me, Michael Penix kind of got beat to crap. Mentioned that multiple times. Is he going to be hurt and playing through the hurt in this game and potentially hurt himself worse? Or do we see Dylan Morris step on that field? I don't think we do. Um, I think Michael Penix is fine. They did sustain quite a few injuries. Obviously, Jalen McMillan got hurt again. Um, Dylan Johnson was nursing an injury. They, I think Jeremy Bernard also went out at one point. Some of their playmakers were dinged up. Um, I don't think a lot of them are major concerns. I know Jalen's probably the biggest one you're worried about because he re-aggravated something. Um, that's always a worry when you could potentially be without weapons in a game that you expect to waltz into. You know, you're kind of nursing your wounds after an absolute brawl. Um, weird things could happen, but also... I just get a feeling it's not going to be close. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the week for it to happen. Um, the only, like, you know, if you're looking for a, a sharp play here is is ASU can run the ball. Can't, no, they can't. <laughs> no, we, get watch we get to watch respect Scadaboo. Respect Thank you very like, much. So Scadaboo averages um, two yards a carry. <laughs> Yeah, but he, he knocks he runs, over six people it is on the way there. Yeah, it's an electric two yards, <laughs> but it is only two yards. Also, Camp Scadaboo absolutely decimating a Colorado player well after the game ended <laughs> like a week or two ago. So funny. I love Camp Scadaboo. He might be... I, I'm stealing Avery's flow here like bar for bar, but <laughs> truthfully, Camp Scadaboo might be the most electric player in college football, and I love watching him, and it's going to be sad when he only runs for like 15 yards on 13 carries, but you know... He's the reason you should watch this game. Yeah, this yeah. is the reason you should watch this game because I have a feeling this will get out of hand very fast. Drew obviously picked UW. I think we are all picking UW in this one unless somebody wants to come out of right field with something. But no, 
Um, <laughs> I expect UW to try and get up early in this game and get Penix out of there. Yeah. This is honestly a game they could probably not play Penix and they would still win by three scores. Like, yeah. truly. If they get up by enough, we might see some Austin Mack action, which is their... That would be kind of exciting. He almost went in when they were blowing out... I forget who they were blowing out. Maybe like Boise State or Tulsa. Um, he was warming up, so they're willing to play him if the situation calls for it. So, ideally, you get Penix out of there by halftime. Let yeah. Demo play for a bit. Maybe get some Austin Mack action in there. I'd love to see that, but still. You want to get in, get out with as few incidents as possible, which I think they'll do. So, to pivot to our other game on the slate, Cascadia Corner Matchup, I am most certain I will be there for this. I will try to be. I don't have tickets yet, so I don't know, but they got less expensive because both these teams lost. Uh, Oregon takes on Wazoo at Autzen, uh, where apparently it never rains, but I don't really believe that. Um, Name one time. Today. I'm sure it's happened once. Today. Yeah, today. Literally, it literally, literally was today. pouring, like, in Oregon today. Uh, no oh, so it was pouring. It wasn't raining. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to excuse that because I think Oregon is going to <laughs> it never beat up on Wazoo. And yeah. what do you have the spread? Does anybody have yeah, the spread I got it. for this one? I it, think it was eighteen, right? It's uh twenty uh most places. Ooh. FanDuel still has an eighteen and a half, but everywhere else it's twenty. Wazoo yeah. plus twenty might be I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think so? Um so like the only like super interesting thing is this is um the only other quarterback, running quarterback, Oregon has played this year was the Tyler Shuck game. <laughs> if, if, like, if Wazoo wants to set up 20 designed runs for Cam Ward and just see how that goes. Maybe. And John Mateer. Don't forget, they have and, two of them. And their cold little white boy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'm gonna, Oregon. I'm going to call it now. John Mateer legacy game. I don't think Wazoo wins. I think Oregon wins pretty handily. But John Mateer legacy game and the narratives have never been more bad. Three for four for 120 yards. You just said that. Reminded me, if Oregon went for the touchdown on the final play, we or like on that final drive, they were a little more aggressive. We were 100% getting the DPI to end the game that we predicted, by the way. Yeah, so I, <laughs> if you did not listen to last week, I predicted that in the Uniborgan game, it would end on a extremely controversial <laughs> PI, and it would be like a three-point game. It was a three-point game, and we were almost in a situation where a PI could have decided it. Um, um, I'm mad that didn't happen, because it would have been really <laughs> funny to have been that correct. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah John think, to your legacy game, anyways. I don't care. Uh, Oregon smacks or, Wazoo. Oregon by like probably at like least 40, 17. <laughs> Zach, you, you feeling very strong about your Cougs or what? Uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think the Ducks are going to have a bit of a hangover. Um, I've been to Autzen after the Ducks have lost multiple games. And. There is a bit of a hangover with the fans. They're, like, less energetic. Um, like, the Ducks still have a whole season to play, so maybe it won't be as bad as, like, some of those Stanford losses uh, in the past. But, uh, yeah, I could see it being a bit of a letdown game for the Ducks, and I think that Wazoo covers, and maybe it's a two-score game by the end of it all. So I think Wazoo and covers. To- in this weekend of 
fucking misery. Justin Herbert just threw a game ending interception. So oh, no, he's my fantasy quarterback. <laughs> God, it never ends. <sighs> When it rains, it pours, dude. Holy! Sometimes we question, what's it all for? We should have just stayed as hunter-gatherers. Um, I should be picking berries right now, not worrying about dealing with Drew next time I see him this weekend. Uh, that is miserable. Um, almost as miserable as uh, Oregon fans were this weekend, or as miserable as... Uh, Wazoo looked this weekend. That wasn't segueing into anything. I just wanted to say it to sound cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to go drink gasoline. So <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Cascadia Corner. The views are off this week. I got to relax. <laughs> yeah, Zach gets to breathe a little bit. Um, I will be crying at my television when UW only wins by 35. <laughs> um, and James will be sobbing as his ducks lead them to victory i'm sure this will not backfire on us at all um, pray for better days Wait, who did, who did days. you take for the this oh he, he took Oregon. okay he, he took or yeah, yeah i we, should mention Drew took Oregon. i think he's done with the troll picks i also think uh as a little special i cannot believe that decent stanford is still alive and <laughs> it I has never it. been more alive it is never been more alive and i think I think it would be worse than if UW would have lost. If uh, it would be Stanford's a real back. shame, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Decent Stanford being back might have been worse than the lost streak UW had against Oregon earlier this. Uh, what if this is God <laughs> playing a long con on me and Decent Stanford's <laughs> <laughs> the jewel in the crown? <laughs> He's beating UW. If Decent Stanford's back, I think I will um, never watch football again. So, yeah. Anyways, thanks for watching or listening. People listen. We don't have a visual. Uh, the visual is uh, Bonex throwing an incomplete pass on their second last drive that you can imagine while listening to this. But make sure to follow us on Twitter at Cascadia underscore corner. Follow all of our personal handles, which are in the description. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. Rate us five stars. And until next time, Camp Scadaboo. See you later, Guac. Bye. Uh, where's the stamp button? <laughs>